Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Uh, you can also uh, find my regular column and agent's take at cbssports.com on the business aspects of the NFL, focusing on NFL contracts and salary cap. Uh, this week's episode is going to be dedicated to the new deals, which dramatically reset the tight end market. Uh, yesterday, we had George Kittle um, move the target, move the market in a major way, and a couple hours later, uh, Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs tight end, followed suit. Let's start with George Kittle. Uh, everyone was expecting that George Kittle was going to reset the tight end market in a major way at some point before the regular season started. Um, the market had been very stagnant. Um, in 2014, Jimmy Graham became the first $10 million per year tight end um, when, he, when he got that deal from the Saints as a franchise player. When the Seahawks cut him, he'd been traded at some point from uh, the Saints to the Seahawks. Uh, he signed with the Packers for $10 million per year. Those are the only two $10 million per year tight end deals in the history of the NFL until this offseason when Austin Hooper signed a four-year uh, deal to go from the Falcons to the Browns, averaging $10.5 million per year. So that was the first movement in the tight end market in about six years. Now, Kittle's deal averages $15 million per year. That's about a 43% increase over Hooper's deal, which was the highest paid tight end on a multi-year contract. Uh, some people had been expecting that Kittle would be paid like a wide receiver, would be able to transcend the position, would get upwards to $17 million per year. I never shared that sentiment. Um, I always thought that being able to transcend the position and an agent being able to, his agent being able to successfully make that argument was going to be very difficult to do. Um, Teams typically will pay a player within the constraints of his position. Although Kittle is 49ers' best player, best offensive player, is the primary weapon in the passing game. He, I thought the chances of that happening were slim and none. Uh, Christian McCaffrey became the highest paid running back in April, at a little over $16 million per year. This is a guy that joined Marshall Falk and Roger Craig as the only players in NFL history to have at least 1,000 receiving yards and rushing yards in the same season. He couldn't successfully make that transcend-the-position argument and be paid like uh, a top offensive weapon, which is basically meaning he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver. So if he couldn't do it, he's at $16 million per year. He built upon Ezekiel Elliott getting $15 million per year from his holdout, which lasted all preseason last year. I thought the chances of Kittle doing it were slim and none. Um, what I thought Kittle might be able to do, which he actually did, was become the highest paid tight end in the salary cap era after you adjust contracts for salary cap inflation. And when you do that, prior to Kittle's deal being um, completed, the two highest paid guys were Jimmy Graham on that Saints deal in 2014 and Rob Gronkowski on the extension he signed um, from the Patriots in 2012. The Graham extension, um, well not the extension, it was a four-year deal as a franchise player, 
averages a little over 14.9 million per year when you adjust it for salary cap inflation. Um, when when he signed the salary cap uh, was 133 million, so you're really increasing the deal by 49 percent. And in, in Gronkowski's case, you're you're taking his nine million dollar per year and adjusting it by almost 65 uh, percent. Uh, so his deal is is about 14.8 per year. So Kittle. I thought might be able to do slightly better than those deals. That would be his ceiling at $15 million per year. He does that. Now, some of the more important contract metrics. Um, Kittle has the most ever overall guarantees in a deal for a tight end at $40 million. And the most fully guaranteed at signing, $30 million. Um, those are standards that I think are going to stay for a while for, for a tight end. Um, Kittle's deal um, did some things structurally, which I thought were very impressive, given that we're talking about a uh, 49ers contract. Um, Each team has their own conventions of what they do structurally, but the Niners have aspects of the deal which make it extremely uh, team-friendly. So Kittle being able to build upon or being able to get the 49ers to relax what they typically do would be a tremendous accomplishment or achievement because it's hard to get a team to uh, uh, change their structural conventions because their whole thing is, and they see this all the time as an agent, like a broken record was, uh, we don't want to set a precedent because if we do it for you, then everyone's going to come behind you and, and ask for the same type of treatment. And I always thought that that was not very persuasive in my eyes uh, because you should be able to distinguish one player's situation from another. uh, and don't have to have a blanket policy. But but, um, the 49ers typically don't, one, don't like to guarantee the second year fully at signing. Two, uh, they have the latest vesting date when injury guarantees convert to full guarantees. That means when the salary cap guarantee and the skill guarantee kick in, theirs is April 1. Around the league, typically uh, that vesting date is anywhere between the first day and the fifth day of the league year, which which would mean mid-March because the league, new league year usually starts somewhere in the middle of March. This year it was March 18th. Um, the Seahawks have an early vesting date. That's because they don't fully guarantee the second year at signing. Is uh fifth day of the waiver period. And the waiver period starts the day after the Super Bowl ends, so that's in early February. The Raiders have done that occasionally in contracts, but typically you see first, third, first, third, fifth day of the league year as that date. And then also the 49ers have these big per-game roster bonuses and contracts as well, where you get X amount per game if you're on the 46-man roster, uh, which means you have to dress for that game. If you get hurt, um, then you're going to be for an extended period of time, you're going to miss some money out of your contract. And 49ers had a $2 million annually per game roster bonuses years ago when they when Colin Kaepernick signed his big deal. There was one year where he ended up missing several games, and that's $125,000 per game in per game roster bonuses. Um, so, And he ended up losing close to a $1 million in per game roster bonuses because of the injury. So that's why I, I didn't like those um, when I was an agent. Um, that's something that Carl Peterson brought to the NFL when he was uh, the Chiefs GM and president, and something that Andrew Brandt um, 
kind of popularized around the NFL when he was a front office executive with the Packers, who was their chief contract negotiator and also was managing their salary cap. So I would try to always try to limit per game roster bonuses in contracts. There's no way that Kittle uh, was going to sign a contract where they didn't have some level of per game roster bonuses in there. Um, but um, getting back to the guarantees, there the thirty. A million dollars fully guaranteed at signing. From my understanding, the signing bonus is going to be 18, and the first two years are fully guaranteed at signing. Um, they, Niners, as I said, typically don't do that. They did it with Kyle Yusek, um when he was an unrestricted free agent. Also, Robbie Gold last year as a franchise player. Um, Eric Armstead, they've done that for as well. But typically, they don't they don't do that. Kittle's got the first two years fully guaranteed at signing, and also something that I don't recall them doing. He's got almost 6.4 million of his 2022 salary fully guaranteed at, at signing. So that's basically in his, his base salary in 2022, I believe is going to be 11.45 million. So that's over half of 2022 fully guaranteed at signing as well. Uh, they don't have the guarantees vest early. Um, the injury guarantees by that, I mean, if you have a $10 million base salary in 2022 and the skilling Cap guarantees are going to kick in at some point. In typical 49er contract, they kick in April 1st, 2022. Some teams with your uh, players have a lot of leverage, your highest paid players in the league, quarterbacks and so forth. That 2022 skill and cap guarantee would kick in in 2021. That's something that the 49ers are doing with Kittle. That the remaining um, almost $5.1 million of his 2022 base salary um, becomes fully guaranteed on April 21st, uh, 2021. And he's got a partial guarantee in 2023. A little over $4.9 million of his 2023 base salary is guaranteed for injury at signing. It becomes fully guaranteed in 2022, that April 21st date. So 2023, the injury guarantee becomes a full guarantee in 2022. And the Part of his 2022 base salary, um, which wasn't fully guaranteed at signing, becomes fully guaranteed in 2021. Huge accomplishment for George Kittle to uh, get those, get the 49ers to accommodate him and make that type of concession structurally. In terms of per-game roster bonuses, um, I thought if he could get under 750 um, in per-game roster bonus annually, that would be a win for him contractually from, from a structural standpoint. And the reason I say that is Quan Alexander has $750,000 of per game roster bonuses in his contract. Uh, D Ford and Armstead does as well. Seven fifty. Jimmy Garoppolo's um, $800 uh, per year. Kittle has in 2022 through 2025, $500,000 of annual per game roster bonuses. And in 2022, one, it's $100,000, so I'm surprised he was able to limit those and get that concession structurally as well. Um, there's never going to be one in 2020, I mean 2020 contract year, because um, the salary is 2.133 base salary he was supposed to make, stays the same. He's got the $18 million signing bonus, so his cap number's going up in 2020 by $3.6 million because you can probably the signing bonus over over five years. But the per-game roster bonus was never going to be there. So this is what I call a home run for George Kittle, this deal. And the fact that he got the 49ers to make some concessions structurally 
that they don't make. I didn't see that happening either. $40 million fully guaranteed, $40 million in total guarantees, $30 million fully guaranteed at signing, $15 million per year average yearly salary. Great deal by George Kittle. Plus, got the 49ers to move some in what they do structurally for contract. I got to give George Kittle an A for this contract. Now, on to Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey signed a four-year, uh, $57.25 million extension, which averages $14 million. $312,500 per year. Um, there is $21 million fully guaranteed at signing and $23 million in total guarantees. Um, there's an old saying, uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, I'm critiquing contracts, so that's not going to apply here. When I first got wind of what the structure looked like, the first thing that popped in my head was WTF, are you kidding me? This structure is extremely team friendly and there is no way I would have ever advised a client to take this deal. I would have rejected this structure out of hand. Um, Kelsey was supposed to make um, $9.25 million this year. He's still making $9.25 million. There's no new money this year in the deal. So uh, there's $21 million um, fully guaranteed at signing. He had $18 million left over 2020 and 2021. And $23 is the total guarantee. Uh, basically, 2020 and 2021 are fully guaranteed. And $2 million of 2022 is guaranteed for injury. And it doesn't even vest early. Like in um, Kittle's case, the $2 million injury guarantee converts to a full guarantee third day of the 2022 league year. So the Chiefs are doing a phenomenal job in terms of getting players to sign very team-friendly contracts, which give them maximum flexibility. There's no security really in this deal, um, as far as I'm concerned, that there's no bonus proration, no signing bonus. There's a $7 million roster bonus in 2021 that's not prorated. It's going to be fully guaranteed uh, three days after signing, so you can avoid the proration. He's got 46-man roster bonuses in the deal, which uh, he had in his previous contract of 750 annually starting um, in 2021 and $250,000 workout bonuses each year. So if he doesn't continue to play high level, the Chiefs can get rid of him and pick up a ton of cap room because there's only $2 million guaranteed in 2022, no bonus proration. In 2023, He's got a $12.25 million base salary. He's going to make $13.25 million, but none of that's guaranteed. So, if really, 2023, they can let him go, and he's made $25 million over two years. Um, I mean, in 2023, they can let him go, and it should, I should say he's made – it would be a one-year extension at $11.75 million if that's the case. Uh, that's not really much more than what he'd make if he was uh, going to be franchised. Uh, you got to assume that Kelsey's going to earn – he would have earned seven fifty. dollars of the escalator like he's done the past two years. So uh, basically, if he played out his contract and was franchised, it would be about 11-4. So he's locked himself in with no security for slightly more than what his franchise number would be. And in 2023, they can get rid of him. There is something interesting in the deal. The only thing interesting 
in 2024 and 2025 that uh, there's uh, $2 million in each year guaranteed if he is on the roster the third day of the 2024 league year. Structurally, this is not uh, a deal that any player should sign. Um, If you look at the cash flow, um, and that's something I pay close attention to um, since contracts aren't fully guaranteed in the NFL. In a neutral deal, since this is a four-year extension, Kelsey should have been at 25% after the first new year, 50% after the second new year, 75% after the third new year. That's neither player-friendly or team-friendly. That's neutral. Um, Typically, the high-end contracts are, are, at least the cash flow, tends to favor them. Not in this case. Um, After the first new year, he's got $20.5 million of the new money. After the second new year, he's got $43.6 million. A little under 7% after the third new year. So, this is backloaded. There's basically 56% of the new money in the last two years. The first three new years averaged uh, $13,333,000. Uh, $333,033. That's not how this should be. And I'll give you an example of, of how of what it should probably look like. Um, Jarrell Casey in 2017 um, did an extension, four-year extension, with uh, two years left. And typically, you don't see a lot of guys do extensions with multiple years left. His average $15.1 million per year, so it's probably pretty representative. After the first new, new year, he had 37% of his money. After the second new year, he was just under 57. After the third new year, he was at 77. So if uh, Kelsey had gotten the cash flow in a manner similar to Casey's, instead of 11.75 million after the first year, he should have been at 21.25. After year two, he should have 32.5 in cash, as opposed to 25. After year three, anywhere from 44 to 44.5, as opposed to 40. The only plausible explanation I can think of this deal getting done is you have to remember that an agent works for the player, not the other way around. And you take your marching orders from your client. And maybe Kittle told his agents, I'm not set. I don't want to have, I don't want the full padded practice to start on August 16th without a new deal. So whatever we have at that point, I want it done. Because I can't see an agent being left to his own devices. And if it's a situation where the client is kind of letting him, giving him a lad to do his own thing, and this is what you come up with. So um, I gave George Kittle's deal an A. From a player standpoint, I give this deal an F. Great job by the Chiefs in terms of getting Kelsey to buy off on this structure, but there's no way I'd want my name attached to this deal at all. One other tight end deal, which could be near the top of the market, and that'd be Zach Ertz. Uh, last year, the Eagles and Zach Ertz were negotiating an extension around the same time that they were um, getting deals done with the offensive lineman, the offensive guard, Brandon Brooks, and also offensive tackle, uh, Lane Johnson. Uh, since we have clarity at the top of the market, it shouldn't be that hard to get a deal done for Ertz unless... The Philadelphia Eagles are going to look at these two deals and go, yeah, we have to have something which is pretty close to what's going on with um, uh, Travis Kelsey. If they insist on a structure like Travis Kelsey's, then Zach Ertz is not going to sign a new deal. That won't happen. I can guarantee you that one. It won't look anything like this Travis Kelsey deal if he gets a new deal. 
And if there isn't a new deal for Zach Ertz uh, this year, and he, he plays out his contract, which runs through the 2021 season, you got to start wondering whether Zach Ertz's um, time in Philadelphia is coming to an end. Um, the reason I say that is they have arguably the best tight end duo in the league um, with Dallas Goddard and himself. And Goddard's contract expires after the 2021 season, just like Ertz's. Um, the thing is, they can't do anything with Goddard if they wanted to right now because it's a 2018 draft pick. You can't extend the contract of uh, a drafted player until three regular seasons have elapsed. So that means he's first eligible for a contract extension when the regular season ends on January 3rd. But uh, if uh, Ertz isn't done, then maybe this could be his last year in Philadelphia. But there's also something else which is challenging for Philly, and that's the cap situation. Then we know the cap floor for next year is $175 million. The Eagles have the most salary cap commitments in the NFL for 2021 at uh, just under $267.5 million. Right now, there's about $20.2 million of unused cap room. You can carry over unused cap room from one year to the next, so that'll help. But still, they're going to have to do a whole lot to be cap compliant, even if the cap ultimately is set higher than 175. And they're going to lose anywhere from 4 to $7 million of their unused cap space this year uh, once the conversion starts where everything counts on the cap as opposed to the top 51 cap numbers. But that being said, there are ways to do an Ertz deal um, where you can fit it into the cap where he's – Lowering his base salary this year of $6.66 million, turning it into signing bonus or also taking next year's base salary, which is $8.25 million, lowering his base salary. Maybe you don't, maybe you do a combination signing bonus and option bonus because option bonuses are prorated just like signing bonuses are. I'd keep an eye on this situation. If there isn't a Zach Ertz deal done um, this year and he's going into next year playing out his contract, he may not be a Philadelphia Eagle anymore. But anyway, that's uh, this week's edition of Inside the Cap. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also uh, you can catch my uh, regular column and agent's take at CBSSports.com. Goodbye.